What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! This is a Talk of Champions Extra, which wasn't the original plan. The original plan was to talk to Nick Suss, who covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, for Tuesday's Talk of Champions with me and David. David Johnson, my co-host, at Rebels247 on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. But because it's a bye week and not a lot's going on, Nick and I ended up going an hour. So you just get a bonus podcast. It's not going to be a regular thing. I didn't expect it to be a thing today. David will be back on Tuesday and on Thursday, as he always is. Bradley Sal is going to have his football fix on Thursday. Ben Brown's going to have his frontline view on Tuesday. But today is just me and Nick for a bonus edition of Talk of Champions. More like a Monday morning quarterback, a Talk of Champions extra, whatever you want to call it. If you haven't already subscribed, review this podcast in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, so does David, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. And Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Winning season has started off hot, but MyBookie's continuing to crank up the heat with a $50,000 Survivor Contest. Whether you're a new or existing customer, if you've made a deposit with MyBookie, you'll earn an entry into the $50,000 Survivor Contest absolutely free. To play, all you have to do is pick one winner a week to keep your streak alive and have a shot at the grand prize. Start off strong with the Ravens pick against the Lions, who haven't beaten Baltimore since Lamar Jackson was in second grade, or ride a hungry Steelers squad looking to get back to their historical dominance over the Bengals. Either way, it's simple to play and win even if you don't have a ton of betting experience, which is why I always choose my bookie for NFL contests. Head to mybookie.ag now and get in on the competition and use my promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to receive double your first deposit and get instant access to the $50,000 survivor pool. Again, that's promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to instantly double your first deposit. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Nick, what's up, man? I am doing fine and swimmingly and pleasant and all of the positive adjectives. <sighs> I wanted to start this in a non-weird place. And yet, instead of going, I'm good, man, how are you? How did you start, Nick? I started with the truth because that's all we have, Ben. That is all we have. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Full disclosure, Nick and I talked for 20 minutes about existentialism and nihilism and creation. 20 minutes before we got to talking about Ole Miss Sports on the record as we hit the record button. So we're in a weird frame of mind. I don't want to dive into that stuff. (laughs) Let's dive into this. How are you feeling after three weeks of covering almost football and 3-0 and being dominant in the process? I think that we spent an entire offseason talking about, well, what is the best-case scenario? And if you go back and listen to what we talked about was the best-case scenario, it happened. I, I mean, Ole Miss is exactly where anyone could have dreamed it would have been 
uh, through three games. I don't think anybody in their right mind thought Ole Miss would be winning games 10 to nothing, 61 to 21 and 54 to 17 or whatever the Austin P game was. That's About pretty right. much the best case scenario for Ole Miss. And yeah, I mean, everything's working. Everything's working the way it is. The defense is in that 60 to 70 best range in the country. Like we said, it needs to be the offense is at the top of the country's leaderboards. Things are clicking for you because you're a big, big stat guy. If you go on Twitter and check out Nick Suss, he always just vomits out stat after stat after stat following the weekend. So knowing those things about you and looking at the stats being what they are after three weeks, what are the most amazing stats in your brain about this Ole Miss team? What are the most telling stats about this team? Oh, I think that the most telling stat comes down to just the pure output of plays and yards. I mean, when you tend to judge the best offenses in the country, you try to do it on a per play basis. You try to say, well, it's one thing to gain 500 yards, but it's another thing to gain 500 yards and half the plays that another team gains 500 yards. Ole Miss is breaking that ideology just by how many plays it's running. It is a pure volume offense that is on pace to hit in the high 80s plays per game this year. If it keeps it up, maybe low 90s. The SEC average tends to be about 70 to 72 plays per game for a team. This is absurd, the volume of plays they're running and the volume of first downs they're making. I think about a stat that uh, Brad Sheffield, who works for Ole Miss PR, uh, hit me with in the at halftime of the two-lane game where Ole Miss had as many 10-yard plays in the first half against Tulane as what the national average was for a game for the five best teams in the country at doing that. And they did it in a half. Just the sheer efficiency with which Ole Miss can run play after play after play and never seem to tire or run out of options is the thing that's standing out. I mean, I can hit you with Dontario Drummond and Jonathan Mingo are averaging more yards per game combined than Metcalf and Brown ever did together. I can hit you with Corral has 14 touchdowns through three games in the last 15 years. The only Heisman winning quarterbacks to have as many or more than him through their first three games were RG three and Lamar Jackson, two of the most mobile dual threat quarterbacks ever. And Corral is joining that competition without really having the stigma or benefit of being labeled a dual threat quarterback. I can hit you with the defense having this absurd fact. I think there are eight times that an opponent has crossed the 50 yard line and scored zero points against Ole Miss. And when you're doing that 2.6 times a game where the team is crossing the 50 and not scoring this bend don't break philosophy is just crushing teams. There's so much that's impressive, but I don't know. I, I just think the thing that stands out the most is this team goes fast. Extraordinarily fast. And you bring up all of those things, and it kind of validates a lot of what I said at the postgame show on Saturday. One, that Matt Corral is the Heisman frontrunner. And there was some pushback when I put that out on Twitter from Alabama fans and some other fans. But if you actually look at it, as far as the pace that he's on, it's not close. And then defensively, all we spoke about was how this defense needed to be in the 60s, to be in the 70s, and they'd win 8, 9, 10 games. They're being better than that in the margins. That makes you think that all this talk after three weeks of Ole Miss contending and competing with Alabama to go to Atlanta, it is not a fairy tale, not in any single way, because they're doing exactly what they need to do, yes, but also where they're truly excelling in the margins is separating them. We're not talking about Ole Miss beating the crap out of William and Mary and Nick and Ben colleges here. It's Louisville. Austin P is going to be a playoff team in FCS and Tulane hung with Oklahoma. Now that said more to me and to Brad, who's my co-host on the um, post game show, Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet that said more about Oklahoma than it did about Tulane, but it shows you how much better Ole Miss is than Oklahoma. It also brings into question why we rank teams in the preseason when you actually need some proof and actually need to see them play and then rank them after one, two, three weeks. Because if you did so, Ole Miss would not be 13th in the coaches poll. Ole Miss would not be 13th in the AP poll. Ole Miss would probably be fourth, and they should be fourth. 
Because if you try to survey the landscape of college football right now, what team other than Ole Miss really excites you as far as contending with Alabama right now after three weeks? I'm not saying it's going to be like this in November, but as we approach October, Ole Miss is one of the, if not the, most exciting teams in college football as far as contending with the King. Here's another fun stat for you. I don't know if you saw that I put this out there, but I'll try and hit you with a, a guesstimate. How many more yards per game do you think Ole Miss is gaining than allowing this season? Oh, my God. <sighs> don't make me venture a guess on that. 294. Oh! That is just an absurd pace. And the defense is hanging around. 300 a game, which is what you would expect from average. But yeah, 294 more yards per game of offense than allowed by the defense. Uh, it's funny. There's so much you brought up there that I have opinions on, or I have responses to, but I mean, when you're talking about contending, I wrote this in the wee hours Sunday morning after the Tulane game, it's all been leading up to this. Anyone who looked at the schedule and thought Ole Miss was a genuine contender before the season knew that these first three games would be formalities and that the Alabama game would be what, you know, determines if fullness is for real or if it's a team that still needs another year or two to build, to contend with the best of the best. I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I still think when the odds come out next Monday, it wouldn't be a shock to see Alabama favored by 14 and a half points just because of, Alabama is Alabama and they're, too Tuscaloosa high. and they're really good. I'm, I'm not saying that was what I would set it at. I'm saying that's what wouldn't shock me. I still wouldn't be shocked to see them be a two touchdown favorite, but I don't know, man. All I know is that if you're Lane Kiffin, if you're Jeff Levy, even if you're Chris Partridge and DJ Durkin, the boxes are checked. You can quibble about, oh, well, second most penalties in the country and third most penalty yards in the country. You can quibble about, uh, well, is it sustainable to stop seven fourth down attempts within three games? You can quibble about all this stuff is Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor aren't hitting home runs like they did last year. All that stuff is worth noting. But if you just look at the actual raw results of what's happened, it's hard to disagree with the idea that Ole Miss is in the top 10 among teams that have produced this year. My only thing with penalties, yes, they're bad. Yes, you want to eliminate them. But a few of these penalties are effort penalties. And, of course, you don't want to hit players laid out of bounds. You don't want Mark Robinson to do that. You don't want Tylen Knight to do that. But I also don't want to take away that aggression, that juice, because that juice does matter. And those plays that they're making while late right now, they can be game-changing plays because almost special teams-wise is in a better place than it's been in years as far as the talent that they're running out on special teams and is impacting games. Now, a few of those have been negatively impacting games, but still, I don't want to take that away from them. So, yes, you could pick that apart and say, on paper, that looks bad, but I'm also watching how they're playing and the aggression yeah. of the way in which they're going about playing and, and attacking on special teams. I, I don't want to eliminate that. So that's a fine line that you're trying to walk there. You got to eliminate it. But what makes this team so exciting through three weeks, if you're an Ole Miss fan, is the fact that they look like every single week they've played. And yes, they're better than every single team they've played, but they've looked like it. It hasn't been a debate. Everybody went in and said, oh, don't don't ever uh, underestimate Tulane here. Don't underestimate Tulane. Don't be overlooking Tulane to Alabama. No one was ever doing that. Ole Miss definitely wasn't doing that. They go in and they absolutely put it on them and they look like they're far superior to Tulane as they should if you expect to be the team that can not only compete with Alabama but can potentially compete as they said they were going to do in the offseason. Whenever I would talk to anybody, they'd say, oh, we're going for a playoff spot and many would scoff, many would roll their eyes. Of course you are. You're not going to say, ah, we're shooting for the Music City Bowl. We're shooting for the Liberty Bowl. But this team had a genuine belief that they could contend for the playoff and if you do fashion yourself as a team that can be one of those, that can actually contend for the playoff, that Ole Miss has passed the eye test for being one of those teams. And a big part of that is that aggression that has led to some of those penalties. Yeah, it's it's truly impressive. And I, I think a thing that it's kind of hard to understand unless you think way too hard about it, but when you want to look at the input and the output, the things that make points and then just the actual points, 
I think it's better to just look at the pure output when you're looking backwards and look at the input when you're going forwards. Because if you want to get caught up in the penalty yards or in the turnovers or any of that stuff when you're looking backwards, you're going to miss what happened, which is Ole Miss one by 40. Looking forward, it's great. It's really great to to project on, well, what do they need to get better at? I, I think there's a lot of places they need to get better at. I can identify three or four throws from the two-lane game where I didn't know what the heck Matt Corral was trying to do. I mean, there are some times that even a guy who I'm not going to say front runner for the Heisman because I think there's a difference between being the front runner and being the person who is most deserving so far. He's probably the person who's most deserving so far. Still can't call him the front runner because I still can't expect a team award to go to a team that I'm still only thinking is going to win nine or 10 games versus 12, like the Heisman winners accustomed to winning. But nevertheless, from that divergence, I can still see things that need to get better or can get better, but I still also understand it's hard to ask for anything more than you've gotten so far. So why are you still stuck on nine, 10 games and not maybe potentially more? The SEC West looks really good, Ben. <laughs> yeah, Auburn's good. Arkansas is good. Texas A&M has a really good defense. I have questions about their offense. But it's not like Alabama looks like the unbeatable juggernaut that it typically does. They look vulnerable. Not to say that Byron Young yeah, and Austin, he's great. You know, there's a, a Brian Robinson's great. There's a lot you like about Alabama. And defensively, they look more like the Alabama defenses of old. But I'm surprised. I'm surprised you haven't moved off of nine wins or so. No, I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm less thinking, man, look at the top of the SEC. And I'm thinking, man, look at the bottom. Somebody has to come in seventh in the SEC West. Oh, and we're looking at teams like State that have an incredible defense. State's defense is incredible. You're looking at LSU, which is as talented as all but, what, five teams in the country. And these are the teams you're thinking, hey, they're competing this week to stay out of the basement. That's incredible how talented this league is. And I still wouldn't be stunned to see Auburn be a tough game, Alabama be a tough game, A&M be a tough game. Arkansas seems like it's going to be really tough right now. They've got two absolutely brutal games before Ole Miss. It's a stretch where they play A&M and then Georgia before Ole Miss. So we'll see just how much stamina they have to withstand that schedule. But I don't know. It's I'm more conservative with record picks just because I know I, there's only four teams in the country that have a tougher strength schedule ahead than Ole Miss does. And, oh, yeah, your one reprieve from the SEC is still a top 20 team. And also, fans hold it against you. If you overpromise and underdeliver, they always hold it against you. It always ends up being your fault. So if you said, oh, 11, 12 games, they're going to the playoff, then, yeah. But here's the thing. If you covered Southern Cal, if you covered LSU, if you covered any other program and you watched Ole Miss right now, would you feel differently? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I think that Ole Miss has been incredibly impressive, but I think it's also there's something that it's hard to ignore when you look at what the defense looked like the last five years, where there could be 12 games into the season. Okay, when do you get past that? Though? A bowl game left. No, that's what I'm saying. It, there could still they could be heading into a bowl game and have done this for 12 straight games, and I'd still be like, "Is this for real?" Because there's just this hindsight bias that is so hard to get over. And and let me soapbox for one second about no one in particular. Um, at this rat poison meme has been taken too far guys uh, any anyone listening to this numbers are not rat poison if i'm just like hey matt corral has 14 touchdowns this season that's not what rat poison is if you rat poison is what joke, i said rat poison is what i said i said matt corral is the front runner for the heisman i'm not sure it's close if you want to say that's rat poison fine but i agree with you it's kind of been taken overboard yeah the the joke people are misconstruing it and i'm all for jokes if you know anything about me all yes. i care about is jokes i keep yes. a joke notebook in my bag at all times use the joke properly uh and please don't see a tweet that's like oh man Ole miss is three and zero and ranked number 13 and be like oh look at the rat poison i mean no it's just objectively <laughs> factually true it's you just ignore what is happening this is three and zero. yeah that's just what it is it's not rat poison what i did was rat poison it was funny though because one of the responses i got was uh from some guy i don't know what his name was and he goes, um, what do he say? Let's not talk about the Heisman right now. Let's focus on Alabama. To which I'm like, what the hell do I have to do with how Ole Miss is going to play against Alabama? I can take you one further. 
I got a reply from someone the other day who said Ole Miss isn't focusing on Alabama yet. They're focusing on this bye week to get better. It's okay to get excited about playing Alabama. Like, it's okay to think, oh, man, they got two weeks to prepare for the number one team in the country and the defending national champion. You know what they're focusing on? Football for 14 years. You know what they're focusing on in a bye week? Not having to play, getting to go to the bar on a Thursday. They're not focusing on any kind of, oh, let's get better today kind of deal. They're just taking the week off. What do you think Lane Kiffin's going to do? He's probably going to be on a boat somewhere by the end of the week. Yeah, I I just, I I want to remind everybody listening, it is okay for you, a fan of this team, to enjoy success. That's right. If they think it's rat poison, let them think that. If you see something that's like, oh my gosh, Ole Miss has more first downs with running backs this year than South Carolina has total first downs, that's rat poison. No, that's just like a fun fact. That's, that's just, just like something that did you. and did, that happened. That's just something that happened. Yeah. It's okay to enjoy a nice stat without <laughs> having to parrot a line that Nick Saban said six years ago or whenever it was. And which I may, I, I do need to remind people, not everybody knows that story. I've written it in stories before and I've gotten emails from people like, what the heck is rat poison? Why are you talking about rat? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, sorry, I forgot that not everybody is extremely online in the college football world. Oh, that happens though. That's Twitter for you. You just kind of get in this bubble where you think everything, or life is like this when it's not. It's really not. And, yeah. and I run into that problem all the time. I was, I was actually at El Agave on, uh, I guess it was Saturday, and me and Gracie go to eat. And a bunch of travel baseball teams were in town because the sportsplex is right across the street from El Agave here in New Albany. And uh, it was packed out. And I walk in, and three dads, they're the coaches of this particular team. They're staring at me. And I'm like, oh, God, these are state guys. They're about to, like, get my phone number or something and share it on a message board or whatever. And they give me this terrible look. And then I sit down, we eat, and we leave. Sure enough, they were just Ole Miss fans. And one of them go, hey, Ben, so what's going to happen tonight against Tulane? And we just talked for a minute and everything like that. And then I realized, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, not everyone is your Twitter mentions. Not everyone is like, oh, you piece of shit. Not everyone is like that. Maybe, just maybe, there's more good in the world than there is bad. But on Twitter, that is not the case. I've been stopped at the Grove either five or six times in the last two weeks by people who recognized me. And only one of them thought that I sucked. That's a pretty good ratio. That's good. Of people who didn't think I sucked. That's awesome. That's that's the good of people. That's, that's good. humanity hitting like eighty three percent or whatever that is. Love yeah. it. Yeah, I mean you're, you're passing. You're doing okay. Um, after the opener, my buddy Sudo Sudo Upadea almost messed up my friend's name. Sorry, Sudo. So Sudo, he was at the Louisville game, and um, they were under the influence of alcohol, and some guy he was with paid him money to send me a video of him telling me to suck it because he didn't like how much I predicted Ole Miss to beat Louisville by. He said, I doubted that Ole Miss defense too much. And that made me laugh because I'm like, wow, these people live way too online with this stuff, man. That's what you're talking about. Well, most people, most people, they really don't dive in hard to Ole Miss until it's game day. They pay attention to the week. They read the stuff. They listen to the stuff. But they don't really live it every single day. Some of these people, they live it every single day. So if you want to avoid saying, yeah, Ole Miss is going to win 10 games now based on the evidence of the first three, I'm going to stick with nine. I get it. I really get it. Because if that could be held against me, saying Ole Miss didn't win by enough, if you said today, well, Ole Miss is going to win 10 or 11, and then they don't do that, they're coming after you, man. That's what's going to happen. But imagine that, though. Paying someone money because he knows me or you or whoever, paying them money to record them telling you to suck it. I think it's brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But it's also psychotic. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. I'll try and make it quick. Uh, Some of you guys might know my story. I'm going to try not to get into the details. But this summer, for reasons outside of my own control, I got a lot of hate on the Internet from a lot of different types of people. And uh, it was not fun. But at the absolute peak of it, in the toward the end of July, I was just getting reply after reply after reply with venomous, venomous stuff. And then I saw one reply from somebody that says, uh, I hate you because you picked Texas to beat Mississippi State. <laughs> and that is the funniest thing I'd ever heard. 
like the best joke ever of somebody sees a bunch of people piling onto me and he's like, Oh yeah. Remember the first game of the college world series? You were wrong about that. And that's the funniest thing ever produced on Twitter. Oh, that's good. That is so good. Oh, that voice you hear is Nick Suss. This is a talk of champions extra. I'm Ben Garrett at spirit been on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed, review talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, Leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit with David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. This podcast is brought to you in part by Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Well, it's funny because Mississippi State wins a national championship in college baseball. And one of the very first things, I, I don't even communicate all that much on Twitter anymore. It's for my own mental health here. I deal with anxiety, depression. Everybody knows this by now. I don't care to talk about it. It is what it is. So I don't really interact all that much, especially in my mentions on Twitter. And yet Mississippi State wins a national championship and some middle-aged dude some Mississippi State fan goes, hey, when is Doug Day in Omaha? Oh, wait. You just won a national championship. Why the hell are you thinking about me right now? What could possibly lead you? Like, Is your hate so much greater than the love for your school that just won a friggin' title that you just said, oh, you know what, I, I got to get this to him. He's got to know. 
You think we think about you in that way? Come on, man. This isn't that serious. And that's why with the whole rat poison stuff, it's fine. Sports are dumb. They're fun. That's what these things are for. Me and David on Tuesday of last week talked a lot about the Alabama game. And there was some pushback on our message board. Oh, guys, Tulane's coming. Can't overlook Tulane. That's what these things are for. If you look at this Ole Miss team, it's okay to think about what they could be because the evidence of the first three games tells you they're one of the best teams in the country. That could change. Of course it could change. Arkansas, historically, Ole Miss has not played particularly well, especially recently. And they can beat Ole Miss. But also I tell people as well, because a friend of mine texted me yesterday. He's like, hey, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about Ole Miss here. We are Ole Miss here. Lane Kiffin really eliminates a lot of that stuff. A lot of the old narratives of we are Ole Miss or they'll do this, a fourth and 25 will happen. Yes, you've been burnt historically. I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Don't overlook Tulane, rat poison. A lot of that comes from just being burned so many times. Do you think Lane Kiffin gives one iota about any of that stuff? No. He's the, he's the difference in this whole deal. He's the wild card. He does not care about any of that stuff. Lane Kiffin walks to his very own beat. It's his unique beat of his own drum. So he does not care in one way, any shape or form, about previous Ole Miss stuff. He's changed that narrative to me. And that's why I try to tell people, like, I understand your trepidation, your hesitancy to believe in Ole Miss. But if you believe in Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin isn't worried about it. Lane Kiffin doesn't think in that way. He's changed everything about how Ole Miss should think of itself. But for a lot of fans, I completely understand because they've been burned so many times why they would still be on the fence in that way. I'm going to play a fan fiction here because it's fun in my head to do this. Do you ever think there's a situation where like something good's happening for Ole Miss and Derek Nix is just like sweating and, and so nervous about all this and no one else on the coaching staff can possibly understand why he's nervous. Yes. And he's just like, man, I've been through this. I've seen this. I know what's going to happen. And everyone else is like, relax. It's new. And he's like, it's been new. I've seen five coaches. I I've got, he's got a weird Ole Miss PTSD. I think, uh, I think that'd be pretty interesting. That's a story. But the thing is, is like Lane Kiffin is Teflon. No matter what we are Ole Miss stuff you've thrown at him, it just bounces off. It doesn't matter. And that's why I don't play into these narratives at all. That's why I don't really buy into the whole rat poison deal. I don't really believe in it. So if you want to say, ah, Ben, you shouldn't be talking about this. It's rat poison. Okay, that's fine. But I'm watching what Matt Corral is doing. And if I were a national beat reporter national college football reporter, or if I covered Illinois and I said that I'd be the first person you're retweeting on Twitter, but because I'm around your program, because I grew up an Ole Miss fan, married an Ole Miss girl, went to Ole Miss, now cover Ole Miss. You think that I'm a part of this. We are Ole Miss. That's going to happen. I was there. I was there when Eli tripped over Doug Buckle's foot and lost LSU. I was there for fourth and 25. I was there when Laquan got hurt. I was there for all of these moments. I know exactly what you're dealing with, but I also recognize as well that Lane Kiffin has gone completely against script the entire time. So either it's, for me, it's a, it's a pretty particular choice. Either you believe in Lane Kiffin and the difference that he's made in going against type, or you just can't get over how many times you've been burned. And I don't think there's a wrong answer either way. No, there's not. I just, it's so funny when we talk about Kiffin and his backstory and his history and all that stuff. Cause I mean, there's an argument to be made that this is going to go down as the best college team Lane Kiffin has ever been the head coach of. Mm. And we talk so much about his legacy and what he's achieved. I mean, realistically, he's coached one team that finished in the top 10 as a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator on a lot of really good teams at USC and Alabama, but as a head coach, this is just about the pinnacle of what he's done up there with. I think it would have been 2011 at USC the last year they were on probation. Um, those are, th- this is quickly becoming the second best college team he's ever been the head coach of. And we talk about his experience and how he's been there before and how he's brand this new attitude to Ole Miss at a certain point. If, if Ole Miss beats Bama or if Ole Miss loses to Bama but wins 10 games, uh, we're approaching stuff that Kiffin's never done before, too. Uh, everybody's kind of growing together. Everybody's kind of evolving to this 
new generation of what Ole Miss football can become. And whether this is a max out year or whether this is the start of a new trend, I, I, I don't know yet, but I do know that let's also not pretend like this was always the thing that was going to happen when Kiffin got hired. This is a program that. that has gotten to a higher point way faster than expected. I think the ringer wrote a story after Lane Kiffin was hired. And basically the whole theme of it was <laughs> Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin were uniquely perfect for each other. Perfect school match with the perfect head coach, both very, uh, very much not outliers, but they're not in the mainstream of college football. They've had success, but they've also had really embarrassing moments, all of these things. So they work together. So you're right. Ole Miss was always at a place and had shown before that it could win at the highest level. Lane Kiffin, same thing. But the problem is, is the consistency. Something ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous happens, either for Ole Miss or for Lane Kiffin, that couldn't happen to any other person or any other school based on history. So I think the unique pairing has allowed them, like you said, to move forward together, to get better together. Because if they do realize their fullest potential, it's because both Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, it's not like it wasn't there. It's always been there. But the pairing was so perfect that they were able to, I guess, fix or meet the flaws that the other one had. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does make sense. And I think that you're kind of hitting the nail on the head where, I mean, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with recently, but somebody brought up Kiffin as a candidate for either USC or from us for some other job that they anticipated to be open this year. And they were talking about, well, like, well, that college obviously is going to want to hire somebody with a really strong track record of winning everywhere he goes. And Kiffin has that. And then all of us in the conversation were like, does he? He kind of does. Or is this a new Kiffin? Is this guy who's improving his track record, expanding, changing his track record? I don't know. I, I think that if you, when Kiffin was hired, what was it, December 7th, 2019, or whatever that was, if I told you in less than two years, Ole Miss would have a realistic chance to go to Tuscaloosa as the number 13 team in the country and win. I don't think anyone would have thought it would have happened that fast, especially not when at that time we were still caught up in, well, is Corral going to transfer? Is Kiffin going to run a pro style offense? Is he going to run what Rich Rod ran? We had no idea what was going to happen with this offense. We had no idea. We knew Elijah Moore was good. We didn't know he was all America good. We knew Dontario Drummond was on the roster. We didn't know he would eventually be a guy who could catch touchdowns in eight straight games. All of this stuff is surprising to say the least. And, and to say the most, it is, I mean, shocking in some ways. It is, but it isn't. I think what's shocking to me is how much better this offense is this year. It also kind of is proof positive in many ways that something I've been saying about Lane Kiffin is his offense is adaptable. It doesn't matter really what he has. It's not dependent yep. on personnel. It's not dependent on anything in particular. He just... His offense, it can adapt. Last year, by design, Elijah Moore, he identified as that's the guy I got to run my offense through. Matt Corral, yeah, I see the talent. He's my quarterback. He obviously fits what I want to do. But Matt Corral still was very much a question mark because you just didn't know from a game-to-game -game basis what he was going to be able to do. Elijah Moore, I know what I have. And, yeah, we knew Elijah Moore was good. Everybody knew he was good. His whole problem wasn't Elijah Moore. The talent was always there. A.J. Brown saw it from day one. A.J. Brown said, oh, my God, when he got on campus, the first thing I thought was, this kid's better than me. It's not his fault that he was in an archaic offense, but it was being used against him as far as how he's being viewed, not just by Ole Miss fans, but the national college football scene. So it was a surprise to people when Elijah Moore becomes the record-setting receiver that he becomes in year one under Lane Kiffin. But for Lane Kiffin, that was no surprise at all. He said, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's what I'm going to do my whole offense around, design my whole offense around is Elijah Moore. I'm shocked at how much better it is this year, how more well-rounded it is, only because they didn't address tight end. Elijah Moore was so productive. But then I had to remind myself, this is what he does, adaptability of offense. And there are plenty of weapons from Jerry Ely to Snoop Connor to Henry Parrish to Dontario Drummond, Braylon Sanders. Braylon Sanders has always been talented. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's just been hurt. Jonathan Mingo has the recruiting pedigree. He was a four-star prospect. When he came in, he put on that number one. 
A.J. Brown, Laquan Treadwell's number one and said, I'm the next great Ole Miss wide receiver. And everybody expected that. But again, you're in an office, an archaic office in Rich Rod that was supposed to be run in 2006, 2007, and that is not conducive to productivity from a wide receiver. So once you actually start to dive into it, is it all that surprising? Because you know that Lane Kiffin offensively, this is what he does. So I'm shocked to see how more well-rounded it is and how they set, for example, against Tulane, the single-game record for first downs with 41 or whatever it was, and how many plays they're running. But then I remember, they, it's not ever been for a lack of talent. It's been for, it's been for a lack of the perfect pairing. And Lane Kiffin is the perfect pairing. And at Ole Miss, you need the perfect pairing offensively because you will get talent, but there will be deficiencies. You're not going to be Alabama where you can recruit five stars at every single position and restock the cupboard every single year. You have to have a particular coach that knows exactly how to fine-tune his offense to fit what he has because at Ole Miss, you're going to be short at particular areas. Ole Miss is short at tight end, but they're more well-rounded because he's just featuring everybody else. He didn't know what he had necessarily last year. He knew he had Elijah Moore, so that's what he tailored his whole offense around. Kenny Yaboa was hand-picked. So while I want to be surprised, I'm not really, not really, that they're doing it like they are, that is surprising. That they're doing it so efficiently, that is surprising. Because it's video video game numbers, but again, it goes back to the perfect pairing of school and coach. Oh, to to steal a uh, debate from my Twitter mentions from Sunday, uh, somebody goes in and says, well, it's one thing for Kiffin to be doing it, but remember he's doing it with all of Hugh Freeze and Matt Luke's players. And someone That's else bullshit. replies, yeah, even if, but somebody else replies, even if he is, yeah, he's doing better. Like, what does it matter? Well, a it's couple working. of things. One, Matt Corral was transferring. The Heisman front runner, he was transferring out. Miles Battle, he was transferring. Now he's helping you at cornerback. Okay? We could do this all day. Ben Brown has been awesome. He's been awesome with every single staff. Cool. Orlando Umana is not a Hugh Freeze, Matt Luke guy. Caleb Bourne has to be developed to the place of where he can start. Jeremy James becomes an NFL player with this staff. Yeah, he was young when he was signed, but the idea that these players were already ready-made to be what they are now under those guys, a lot of these guys developed under this staff. Yes, they were signed, but do you get credit just for signing them, don't they have to be developed in some particular way? Yeah. That's absurd. Henry Paris is not either of those coaches' guy. Not a Matt Luke, no. not a Hugh Freeze. He's uh, Elaine Kiffin. Kentrell Bullock. Snoop Connor's been opened up, and Snoop Connor was a fine from Matt Luke. Yeah, you give him credit for signing him, but what he becomes. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, everybody, yes, he was signed under a previous staff, but was he ever Elijah Moore under those staffs? No. So do you just get credit? for what they do because you signed them even though Elijah Moore was nothing before Lane Kiffin. Yeah. I mean, what I think about a lot is, I mean, last year until Parrish started playing the last three, four games of the year, almost didn't play any freshmen. And Cedric Johnson would play on special teams. Bullock would play on special teams, that sort of stuff. Until those last three games when uh, Parrish and Cedric Johnson came on, nobody other than, Yaboa among people that they brought in specifically was playing. And that's pretty impressive. I mean, when you think of first year coaches, you tend to think of first year coaches who come in and do something super drastically different. Like Kevin Sumlin's first year at A&M uh, where they're changing conferences and they get Johnny Menzel off as a registered freshman and win a Heisman. That's what you normally think of a big turnaround. But for somebody to come in and just say, I see what I've got. Let's make the best of it. That's always been Kiffin's talent. And now it's going to be fascinating to see beyond this year when it is his guys. Does that mean things are going to be the same? Does that mean that things are going to be better? Or does that mean we're going to have to question the recruiting chops to the staff? I genuinely don't know how it's going to go because I don't have a crystal ball, but regardless, you do have to give credit where it's due. If you can win with someone else's players, then, you probably should be able to win with your players too. We'll get right back to Nick Suss and this talk of champions extra after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. 
Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that, I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back and you're gonna be there. But when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now. I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Why is Ole Miss so much better, so much more well-rounded offensively than they were last year? And everyone questioned, how do you replace Elijah Moore? How do you replace Kenny Yaboa? And they've done that in spades. But how? Why? Why are they so much better? I think some of it's probably play selection. I, I think some of it is going over the middle more and using more of the field than Elijah Moore being the feature guy uh, made it. I think some of it probably has to do with the offensive linemen actually playing the positions they belong in. It, it helps to have Ben Brown at guard and Jeremy James at tackle. Uh, that's that's definitely going to be a thing that's different. But I also do think that there is something to be said of Corral looks better this year. It's hard to point out what is different. It's not as if he throws the ball more accurately than he did before. But He's more controlled. He's making quicker decisions. He's more in control. He's more comfortable in year two of an offense for the first time. I, I mean, everything looks right for him. So I don't know. I, I think that the wealth of options, the way things are being spread out, I will be the first to admit that so far I've been wrong. I thought that Jerry and Ely was just going to get 26 touches a game and he was going to end up being what Elijah Moore was just out of the backfield. That hasn't been the case so far. He's still averaging something like 88 yards from scrimmage per game, but he's doing it on significantly fewer touches than he got even last year when he was the feature back. There's just a balance, a multiplicity to this offense where it's easier for a defense to stop you when it knows what it has to stop. What do you have to stop? Like somebody asked me on a radio show the other day, well, if you had to stop this Ole Miss offense, what would be the first thing you'd try to do? And I threw out some vague platitude about taking away the run on first down and getting them behind the sticks, which is true. I mean, that will help a defense, but I mean, that's true of any team is get them behind the sticks on second down. Really, I, I'm curious if you have an answer. I'm curious if anyone has an answer right now. What do you try to take away to make this Ole Miss offense not function? Well, that's the thing. There isn't one thing to take away. Last year, it was Elijah Moore. This year, there isn't that one player that you take away. What are you going to take away, Matt Corral? They tried to do that. They did the thing that he was bad against last year. Matt Corral sucked against drop eight last year. So he threw all his interceptions against LSU, against Arkansas, and Louisville comes out and drop eight. Well, what does he do? Pulls the ball down and he runs. And then they run straight at that drop eight box, and the running game really dictated what they did. And he didn't throw his first touchdown to what, like the fourth quarter? There's nothing to take away. Yeah. You can't take one guy away. There's no one thing or one person 
driving this entire offense. It's Matt Corral, obviously, is the quarterback. But you can't just take a quarterback away. If everybody could just take a quarterback away, <laughs> well, yeah, they'd win a lot of games. They wouldn't lose a game. You, you can't do that. So offensively, Tulane's a good example. We're going to not let Dontario Drummond beat us. We're going to bracket coverage, one high over him, basically double team him the whole game. He still had five for 55. He scored a touchdown receiving and rushing. But then Braylon Sanders has a big game. Jonathan Mingo has his second consecutive monster game. Jonathan Mingo's season is here. So it's not like they don't have weapons that if you decide to take away the Dontario Drummond weapon from the arsenal or whatever, it's not like you can all of a sudden just slow Ole Miss down. They're just going to go to Jonathan Mingo. They're going to go to Braylon Sanders. It goes back to adaptability of offense. Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor. If Jerrion Ely is not effective, well, we'll just change up what we're doing with zone read and we'll run with Snoop Connor and he'll just run over you. Henry Parrish. Henry Parrish let Ole Miss out of the gate against Tulane. Did anyone expect that? No. But it goes back to adaptability of offense and what Ole Miss can do in multiple ways to beat you. So that's what's most encouraging about Ole Miss through three games is that they're not, again, I don't want to be a broken record, but they're not beholden to any particular philosophy, personnel, nothing. And the offensive line is a great point. One thing we talked about all offseason was, will they get Trey Berry? And they could have gotten Trey Berry. He went to Boston College. But he wanted to come to Ole Miss. They had a few spots for transfers, and they prioritized center. Orlando Umana, linebacker Chance Campbell. They prioritized the different spots ahead of tight end because Lane Kiffin said, eh, we don't need that. And the tight end usage has been very, very minimal as far as receiving. But what they do as far as running the ball, been critical. So Chase Rogers, he's starting because he's the best blocker of the guys they got left. Now Casey Kelly comes back, and he's fully healthy. He's dressed out for the last couple of games. Maybe then the tight end opens up a little bit more. He showed what he could do in the Outback Bowl. The point is this. They could have gotten a tight end. They could have gotten Trey Berry. They looked at what they had and said, oh, no, we need a center. And the offensive line, can you imagine it without Orlando Umana? Yeah, he had three false start <laughs> penalties against Tulane. And Bryce Ramsey was fine. He was fine against Austin P. But you can tell the talent difference between Orlando Umana and Bryce Ramsey. So, again, you trust the coaches and what they see and all of the narratives that we had in the offseason. Replacing Elijah Moore. Uh, do you got a tight end? All this stuff, it hasn't mattered because nobody knows this roster better than they do, and they're showing you every single Saturday. I, uh, You know me, I'm an optimist, so I, I want to pat you on the back and pat myself on the back and pat David and all the other uh, people who write about Ole Miss professionally on the back right now, because uh, as Lane Kiffin has made it abundantly clear, uh, Braylon Sanders isn't as involved in the offense yet because we wrote about him too much this fall. <laughs> so, by, so by that logic, we are the reason that Dontario Drummond and Jonathan Mingo have emerged as potential NFL players. If that were the case, so if that were the you, case, congrats to me, all of us. I would be getting so much love from Lane Kiffin, everybody, because I said Dontario Drummond was the guy. I was buying all the stock in Ontario Drummond. And the only reason I and the only reason I bought the stock is because he was running in the slot where Elijah Moore was playing. And and I got a question for you, because I asked this last week. I don't think I got a really sufficient answer from either Brad or David. I am not in any way at all taking away what Elijah Moore did. Awesome. One of the very best Ole wide receivers ever. Point point blank, period, top five. Can't take it away from him. But if Dontario Drummond and the two-lane game kind of showed that he could slow down. He's not going to finish on the pace he was on for the first two games. But if he does finish at a place where he sets a record or records or gets close to Elijah Moore, anybody, as far as records are concerned, do you have to reconsider the conversation about the best wide receiver in Ole Miss history? Because for me, nobody's going to leapfrog A.J. Brown ever. Never. He's always, for me, going to be the best Ole Miss wide receiver ever. That's my own personal bias. I get it. I'm a human being. That's why these things are fun to talk to talk about and kind of – get into a little bit. But if you consider what Ontario Drummond does, if he finishes in a particular spot, that does adversely affect Elijah Moore above anyone else. Because then you start to factor in, okay, what if Laquan Treadwell was in this offense? What if A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown would have been in the slot and he'd have done monster work in Lane Kiffin's slot and Lane Kiffin's offense. So does it take away from Elijah Moore's productivity if Ontario Drummond does it? And then the next person that comes in, behind Dontario Drummond whenever he leaves. Does, does that person go and set records and stuff? Does that take away from Elijah Moore? It doesn't take away from the talent. We know how good he is. But does it just show that this offense, like we've been talking about, 
It doesn't depend on one person. Or does that entire argument actually make Elijah Moore the greatest receiver in Ole Miss history because he's the one that got the staff here? I'm joking. I'm going to answer your question seriously. Don't worry. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that Dontari Drummond has been incredible this year. I, first game of the season, second game of the season. I don't know if I told this to you, but what he was really reminding me of was uh, Ricky Seals Jones, the oh, guy who was just too that. big to play receiver and then kind of became a tight end in the NFL and was a pretty good role player. I don't know if he ends up being an H back tight end slot guy in the pros like he is now. Uh, and you don't want to project somebody to be a guy who was what four and out in the NFL. He might still be hanging around. I don't know, but that's what this reminded me of was the Ricky seals Jones role at Texas A&M. And then with the Arizona Cardinals, now they're running him in running him in motion to get jet sweeps and they're doing all sorts of stuff that I didn't expect. So <laughs> I don't know what his role ends up being. But I mean, if this guy continues to average what is he at about 115, 120 receiving yards per game scores a touchdown every game. He's going to shatter what Elijah did last year record wise, just because he's going to play 13 games instead of eight. And I mean, you're going to have to acknowledge it as one of the great seasons in Ole Miss history. If he keeps this pace up, he's chase Claypool. That's a good point too. Yeah. I think chase Claypool is another line of just like these jumbo sized slot receivers who are kind of the hybrid between he's not your Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey built like a tight end who plays receiver model. He's more a receiver. He's more of a tight end built like a receiver than he is a receiver built like a tight end. If that makes any sense. What happens against Alabama? Oh gosh. A lot, a lot of points, (laughs) a lot, a lot of points. I still think Alabama wins it. I'm not, uh, the person who's going to bet against Alabama until five years have gone by of Alabama being mediocre. And even then I'll still probably think that they're the team to beat. Well, they've kind of earned that. But though. Yeah. Again, anyone who picks Ole Miss, good for you. You might be seeing Ole Miss as a better team so far through three games and you have justifiable reasons to argue that, but they have earned the right for someone to think they're going to turn it on and figure out a way to stop this offense and figure out a way to blister through this defense. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think that both teams are going to get up into the forties, but I don't know. I still think Alabama has too much depth, too much firepower, too many options. Uh, And if Ole Miss is going to continue running the three, two, six, I'm just, I mean, Evan Neal's going to take either Sam Williams or Cedric Johnson out of the game. And it's going to come down to can the other one beat a double team to make Bryce Young even at all flapped. And I'm not super duper confident in, in that approach. So not a fan of the three two six, huh? Oh, I love the three two six. I don't oh, love the three two six when the best player in college football is Alabama's left tackle. And I'll I'll stand by that. I think Evan okay. Neal is the best player in college football right now. Who's gonna be the first overall pick in two thousand twenty two? Oh gosh. Uh, if it's, if we're playing non quarterback division, I think it comes down to either Evan Neal or Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm intrigued by Derek Stingley jr. I, I don't know if he's actually played well enough to justify being one, one, but I he think has. he has the upside to be one, one. He definitely has the upside to be one, one flip side. Kyle Hamilton has played well enough to be one, one. I don't know if he has the positional value to be one, one. And then if we are playing the quarterback card, let's say it's a team, Houston Texans who suddenly seem like they might be better than we thought, but somebody that needs a quarterback. I still think Spencer Rattler is probably the favorite. Even Why? though I've never been the biggest fan of him just because that's what perception is. I'm not saying I think he should be the favorite. I'm just saying people have destined him as this guy for three years. And the NFL tends to stick with that sort of analysis. It's not like anyone since when Matt Barkley was the last time that somebody was destined and then wasn't picked that high. Um, So I feel like he's still favored. Then you have a gaggle of if Sam Howell is somebody that someone falls in love with, we've seen teams fall in love with North Carolina quarterbacks early in the draft before. I think Corral's kind of playing himself into that conversation. If Malik Willis has a big year, I think that just because of his dual threat ability, uh, he could be in the conversation. If someone really loves Jared Goff, then JT Daniels could probably be uh, the next Jared Goff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Who else? Uh, What was the guy from USC that was destined to be the next guy? Yeah. I thought he was the next guy. I like Keaton Slovis. 
he's I mean he's hurt right now and as USC tends to do another yeah. guy came off the bench and looked absolutely incredible against Washington State or Oregon and yet State, they never win enough week. and yet they never win mm-hmm. enough no they are a, a fascinating program so I don't know I I think that if I had to like put money down, which you know, and most people know, I have never once bet on sports and I never will because that's a good way to lose money. If I had to put money down on someone, I think Spencer Rattler's the safest one, one, but man, if you, if you're a team that doesn't need a quarterback and you get that first pick draft, Evan Neal, protect your quarterback for 12 years. Well, what has Matt Corral got to do to get a little bit of a shadow campaign from Nick Suss to be QB one? Um, stop having people call him the next Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson's going to keep throwing four picks a game, <laughs> it's his second game. Come on. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But I mean, that's what he's going to need. He's going to need that Zach Wilson esque bump from being hyper efficient and being uh, a guy that kind of quote comes out of nowhere, even though he led the FBS in total offense last year. Come, come out of nowhere just pay attention but I don't know I, I think that if he continues this pace of not turning the ball over then he answers the biggest question about him I think that he's going to have to ace the personal interviews kind of like I'm reminded of when Baker Mayfield went 1-1 and when Joe Burrow went 1-1 both of them were guys that were described in the pre-draft media as being ultra competitive but for Baker, it was a negative, and for Burrow, it was a positive, and I have no idea why that distinction had to be made. But I think for Corral, with the passion he plays with, and there's an easy way to interpret him yelling at Kiffin in a 30-point win about play calling as the Burrow type of ultra-competitive. There's a way to think of it as the Baker type of ultra-competitive. I think they're both good. I don't think either of them are bad things, but sometimes the establishment does argue that if somebody's too intense, if somebody's Baker Mayfield and they're chirping and they're celebrating and they're doing all this stuff, then that's bad. I don't think it's bad at all. But if Corral can prove he's on the burrow side of whatever indistinguishable fine line exists and he's the good type of competitive, I think that'll help him as well. For the second Sunday in a row, Matt Corral named the Walter Camp National Football Foundation's Offensive Player of the Week. That does nothing for you? It's good. It's really good. I mean... Great analysis there, year, buddy. Kyle Tra- I was just saying, Kyle Trask did that thing last year and was a third-round pick. You got to do more than just be really good at college football. Okay. Good enough for me. I haven't watched a lot of Alabama. Before I let you go here, a lot of people saying how Alabama's vulnerable. Why? What does that mean? Why is this Alabama team vulnerable? Uh, not taking the same type of shots they did the last couple of years. Bryce Young hasn't played the same type of downfield offense. That, that you would expect from uh, Tua or from Mac Jones. They don't have four first-round picks at receiver anymore. Brian Robinson isn't Najee Harris or Derrick Henry or any of those superstar running backs that came before them. Uh, it's, it's a good offense. It's not an offense made up of 11 all-pros, and the defense is great, and I don't think anybody should make any uh, illusions about it, but I do think that if you watched the Florida game and you saw Florida run all over them and, and look like a team that can compete and find ways to stymie Bryce Young in the offense, if you can replicate that, I think Ole Miss has a little bit more firepower than Florida does. And I think that Matt Corral is an upgrade over Emory Jones. Sure would have been something if Florida could have gotten Matt Corral. Can't imagine how that would have happened. But yeah, I, I do think that uh, if you can replicate that game plan, do some things well, uh, there's a way to compete, but also you're going to lose a lot of money if you bet on Nick Saban not fixing mistakes and making adjustments. Fine bomb floated the Kiffin to USC rumor. You buying any of that? Not right now. I've said for years that those two are a perfect fit for one another. They just have to get over their own past and their own history. And you know as well as I do, and as well as anyone else does, couples that break up don't get back together. 10 years later that often it's kind of rare so maybe they do I, I think Lane Kiffin's in a better position to go back to USC than like a Bobby Petrino Louisville thing would have been but USC might want to go after somebody with a little bit more of a win now championship pedigree or with a little bit of a different personality I don't know um, I, I think that 
there could be some smoke somewhere down the line, but I think if anyone would have heard the smoke, it would have been you or I, and I, I don't, I don't know if it's there quite yet. You have an AP ballot. Where'd you rank Ole Miss? I don't have an AP ballot. I have it in basketball. Oh, I thought you had a football did ballot. Okay, if you did have an AP ballot then, I thought you had one. So if you did have an AP ballot, where would you have ranked Ole Miss? 11 or 12, probably, uh, just because, I mean, part of being an AP voter is you don't want to go too far away from the grain or else people will notice and you'll get ridiculed online, which is why having an AP ballot in the internet era makes the ballots inherently less accurate. But I don't know. I think that there are some teams that are the antithesis of Ole Miss who I've been impressed by. Talk about Iowa, talk about Penn State that bring teams down to their level. Ole Miss brings teams up to their level. Teams have attempted 11 fourth downs against Ole Miss this year. There are only three teams in the country that have attempted 11 or more fourth downs, and one of them is Ole Miss. Teams have to play the way Ole Miss plays to keep up with Ole Miss. Iowa and Penn State are bringing teams down to this grimy Big Ten football, and it's awesome to watch if you love disgusting things. It's so much fun. Uh, But those are some teams. I don't know where I weigh on Ole Miss versus A&M right now. I love A&M's defense. I think they have a lot of talent. I have no idea what to make of their offense, despite the fact that I personally coached Zach Calzado when he was in middle school, so that's kind of cool. Beyond that, I don't know. You kind of have to put Clemson ahead of them, even if Clemson's looked bad, just because Clemson's earned the right to look bad the first three weeks. I don't know. Voting is a lot less about who right now looks the best and a lot more about, well, you do have to factor in the externality. I did not expect to talk to you for an hour. This was only planned for like 30 minutes, but it's the off week and um, you got a lot of stuff to do, but thank you for taking the time man. I appreciate you. And thank you for anyone who listened for a full hour to this, or probably more than an hour. I don't know if you had other guests today, but I hope we kept your attention. Attention is limited. It was just you. you. With us. It was just you. Congratulations to any of you who stuck around to the end. Well done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.